Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back. It is The Big Show. I'm Gordon Monson. Patrick Kinahan sitting in, doing double duty today. We appreciate that, PK. Jake uh, Scott will return from his uh, vacation tomorrow. And I uh, was wondering if you saw that we're going to have David Locke on in just a second. But uh, did you see that the NFL fines are up to $1.7 million for those not wearing masks in week two? The latest coaches, Raiders uh, coach uh, John Gruden and Saints Sean Payton, each was fined $100,000, and then their teams were additionally fined 250000 each. I did see that, yeah. What's going on there? Do you think that's a matter of safety? Is it a matter of setting a good example or what? Uh, probably yes to both. That's a lot of money. image conscious. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but they they make billions, and so, but yeah, it's for you and me, or maybe for me anyway. Uh, it's a lot of money, but yeah, I, I think I think pro sports is image conscious, and, and that's a, a lot to a degree what they're doing, why they're doing it. I noticed that uh, in the bubble, uh, you know, anybody who watches the playoff games, everyone's tested. Everyone has been. Uh, how often are they testing there down there? Do you know, PK? I don't know. Uh, obviously, they are testing, and they're in the bubble, and they're in about as secure an environment as you can be. And yet, even during the interviews and whatnot, you see everybody masked up. And uh, it, it, I, I, I don't know if everyone is tested. I guess it's just one more precaution that's uh, that's being made by the NBA. But uh, yeah, it's. One day we'll look back at this and uh, it'll be, we'll go, wow, look at that. You know, hopefully we can put this whole experience in our rear view uh, like that. Although in some cultures, like I've noticed over in some countries in Asia, you see a lot of people wear masks even before this pandemic hit. Well, that's been the case, yeah, for a number of years. Yeah, interesting. Anyway, okay, let's get out to the... uh, the phone and uh, talk with uh, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. David, you're on with PK and me. Welcome. PK, this must be great for you. For years, you've told me how you so much wish you'd be on with Gordon instead of DJ, and now you actually get to do it. Yeah, I feel like I've won the lottery. <laughs> right. I'm, I mean, because I mean, you're so hot. Like, I, I mean, you always told me, like, it's so hard to carry DJ all morning, every morning for a decade. If you could have just worked with someone with talent like Gordon, then it wouldn't have been nearly as difficult for you as it has been carrying DJ every day. Well, DJ was my fourth choice way back when. Uh, Right, uh, right. So was Lorenzo Romar at Washington, and that worked out pretty well, and then they fired him. Pete Carroll at USC was the fourth choice. That fell out pretty well, but then he cheated. Oh, so. Jim Harris can come in handy. Won the only title sans John Wooden. Right, and then cheated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think Might that's have cheated because during that, too. I think he cheated because of his connection to Utah State, too. Right. 
and then tried to get the BYU. I remember when he tried to get, remember when he got very devout and wanted the BYU job for a little while there. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the things we do for love and employment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I told PK he's like uh, he's like Bumblebee in Transformers. Uh, everything he says is a lyric from a song. <laughs> It's a talent, PK. I don't know how you do it, but uh, well, I, as someone who has no memory and cannot remember a lyric, literally, like of songs I've heard a million times, I could not pull back a lyric. I mean, I can do "With or Without You," and that's about it. Um, <laughs> but that's also the name of the song. So, if you a lyric that's beyond the only lyric um, I think I can come up with, I might get it wrong. Is my theme song, which is the Matchbox tw- Matchbox Twenty song, is what is it? I'm not crazy. I'm just a little bit unwell. <laughs> Rob Thomas. Right. So, so, other than the fact that I think I've come up with that one because it's like I heard that and I was like, oh, that's me. Um, it might be the first. PK, let me uh, give you an opportunity to show off your skill in this regard. Rattle off a few uh, a few uh, song lyrics for us, real quick. Jose, can you see? I didn't say sing anything. I know. That was like such a big difference between what you asked for and what you got. Well, actually, that, that is like seriously like when I you talk. get That is like seriously like when you get screwed at the drive-through right there. Like there's well, you know, like you order like the double burger and you get a chicken sandwich and you don't realize That's it until like five blocks down the leave. road. And like that and you can never and then at that point you can do nothing about it. Like you started singing and there was nothing we could ever do about it. It was like being screwed at the drive-through. Mama ooh. Oh man! You know that actually happened to me, uh, David. I uh, went to a certain fast food restaurant to get a chicken sandwich, and uh, I took it home. And uh, my chicken sandwich had the bun, it had lettuce, it had tomato, it had mayo, it had pickles, but it was missing the chicken. Boy, that's El Pollo Loco. Um, <laughs> now, what the great question on that one is. Is did someone just blow it, which is what probably is the case. But it's a better story if there's literally somebody like in that fast food restaurant who's like, you know what, I'm having a crappy day. I want to screw this guy. We're just gonna leave the chicken out and see how it goes. And at the end of the night, they have an extra chicken and trying to account for it. Right. <laughs> I'll have a chicken sandwich. Hold the chicken. David, right. uh, you, you've worked with PK and me through all these years. You've had this radio career, and now you're doing play-by-play and all that for a long, long time. If if the David Locke at age 20 could see the David Locke today, uh, what do you think you would have thought then? Oh, I'd be ecstatic. I mean, I've fulfilled every dream I've ever had. I mean, I have a – I think I've shared this before. I have something, um, you know, motivational saying or whatever um, next to my desk, and it says, if at 18. Um, and the thought on that is, you know, when you are overwhelmed or you get a request to do something or you're going to do something, you know, whatever it might be that when you lose perspective for a minute, you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I have to do this. So right next to my computer where I record my podcast every day, where I do all my game prep is a big thing that says if at 18. And so that just is like, if at 18, you had told me that on this day you had to do this, how would have you reacted? And to try to keep that energy and that passion toward what you're doing the whole time. So, yeah, I mean, if you told me I would be back in Park City, Utah, having raised two kids, um, having had an unbelievable educational experience in Utah, 
um, and having left. I mean, frankly, for me, part of the key was leaving and coming back. I needed to leave. Um, and, and that I was the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Like, I mean, it's pretty much check, 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 check. Yeah, no, I'm very, I'm very thankful. I mean, I do think that I had enough advantages in life that it probably would have been a bigger story if I didn't get it done, not that I did get it done. So I don't. I am one of those fortunate people that, it, you know, somewhere around 9, 10, 11 years old, I literally told my parents exactly what job I was going to have, and I was pretty committed to getting that done. But I also was r- raised in a house that gave me the luxury to be able to do that. So I'm not I'm not ignorant of every advantage I had along the way. I'm just very thankful of, of what has happened. Well, it's not as though you haven't put the work in, David. I mean, come on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's nice. I, yeah. I, I think. Back, I mean, really, uh, the thrill would have been the fact that I got to talk to PK. You know, none of this happens if it wasn't for the the, the drive to Provo with PK in nineteen. When was that? PK two thousand eight. Yeah. Oh seven. Was it oh seven? Was it October of oh seven? I think it was. No, it was uh, like uh, September of August, early September of oh seven. Yeah, you're right. Oh seven. Yeah, my my family so, moved in 08. Yeah. So tell the story. I mean, I just came back, and um, PK tells the story in a different version, but I'll, I'll tell the story in respect to PK, and then he can tell the different version of the story because it's like his last laugh on me, which is good. So, I mean, I had been paying attention to what was going on in Utah and had seen how good PK was, and but I hadn't, you know, I'd been the radio voice of the Seattle Supersonics and covering Seattle sports. I, I was not caught up on Gary Croughton and – Croton or whatever, however he's pronounced his name, Gary Terrible, and um, what was going on with BYU. And so I came back, and um, BYU was playing a football game. I can't remember against whom. And, Arizona. Uh, Arizona, and I like kind of knew the way I was going to catch up on what was going on was to put myself onto PK's hip for the day. So PK and was nice enough to – I think uh, he drove me down, and I just kind of peppered him with questions, and then – we hung out, and I made a terrible verbal misstep along the way. If I don't, if I'm still embarrassed about it, I wonder if he even remembers. And what was it? Uh, what was it? Uh, I'll tell you off there. Um, <laughs> you make him relive it. <laughs> uh, I, I can't tell you exactly where it was. Like it's seriously like one of my like ten worst moments. Um, and then, um, then we drove back, and I, you know, that was kind of my. Um, that was my catch up on BYU. Was I went to the guy who knew knew it best, and that was PK. PK likes to tell the version. Should I tell your version, PK? Go ahead. PK's version is that when I was the program director at thirteen twenty K fan back before I left, that he wanted a job the whole time, and I didn't respect him and give him enough time a day. And here I came back and was begging for time with him. That's really the version <laughs> PK likes to tell. That sounds about right. Both no, might I be accurate. Knew. I literally knew since 1980 that I wanted to do sports radio. This is a true story. And I knew two guys I needed to suck up to. I am, and for, in order for me to get in, I am literally speaking to both of them right now. Uh, and because Locke was the man in sports radio when it started here. And I would go to jazz games, and he'd be sitting at the table, and then he'd cover the Utes, and he'd cover NCAA tournaments, and we'd go out to eat with a group of guys. And I remember I would sit right next to him, and <laughs> I would just give him my best material, man, just trying to be as clever and as funny, as witty, and sports knowledge as possible to try anything because I really, really wanted to do it. You talk about waking up and when you're 18 and doing what you wanted to do. Well, 
I wanted to play third base for the Dodgers, and that didn't pan out because they sucked. And I will now refer to you as the Penguin forever. <laughs> yes, here. Time of the Sword was 93 years old yesterday. It was his birthday. And yeah. then uh, I thought sports radio would be where it's at. And when I moved here and it started, I got in, and then Gordon got in, and, and I was like everybody else at the Tribune Sports Department. I didn't like Gordon. But then I figured, well, oh, wait, he got in, so this is my in. And so I sucked up to him, and here we are. There you go. Well, I like it. And, and you know how I got in. I got in invited by <laughs> the man you're speaking to right oh, now. So, I, David. Yes. Well, that's a good yeah. story we can tell another day. Yeah. We got to do – I've said this numerous times, um, and I'm a little busy right now, so when I, when I get rid of some of my other stuff, we need to do the oral history. And, unfortunately, Tuner's no longer with us and Blackwell's no longer with us, so we really – like we've lost two of the key original pieces. But we need to do the oral history of of sports talk radio in in Utah because there's some you know, there's some interesting characters. There's been incredible success by the people who've left. I mean, Kevin Graham and Ryan Hatch are pretty much the elite pro, two of the elite programmers in the country at this point. Um, Tim Benz, who was here for a brief while, is wildly successful in Pittsburgh. Ian Furness is wildly successful in Seattle. So there's all these there's all these pieces of the puzzle. Then there's also a million like. There's some good stories, and there's some crazy stories, and there's some Scott Mahalik stories, and there's just a lot to be told. <laughs> John Lund, what, what, whatever John. happened to whatever a very oh, handsome. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I know about his like annulled marriage, but I don't know about his life. <laughs> um, that was a disaster. That's a great. That's a story. I mean, that is like if we're going to do oral history, that story, that story probably has to get out there. Um, that was wild. <laughs> Um, I think didn't, there's so there's some crazy stories on that. If we weren't on air, I'd, there's some crazy stories there. Um, Lund is the one who I mean, Lund's crazy successful afternoon drive in San Francisco. Um, who I, I, we, if you remember, I don't know if you were a part of these conversations, but he would like disappear. He was our, when he was an intern. Lund would like disappear for like extended periods of time, and we'd like have his. He would do this work that was like superhuman. He was unbelievable. And he was, he was so, so wildly talented. And then he would like disappear, like really just disappear for hours on end. I literally began to wonder if he was like on prison, prison release or something <laughs> and that he had to like check in or something. Like we had no idea where he would go. And Kevin Graham and Ryan Hatch and I used to be like, where is this? Like, what's the story? And then when we fired Barry Hancock, um, which leads to some of those crazy stories, and hired Lund, I remember I told Lund, because Lund was wildly opinionated as he is now. I mean, he's brilliant. And he was on with Bowler. And I was like, here's your job for nine months. I want to hear nothing out of you. I want you to just be Bowler's friend for nine months. And then you can give birth and you can go. But for the first nine months, you, all I want people to think is that Bowler likes you. Because if Bowler likes you, the market will decide you're okay. And boy, <laughs> on that nine month and one day, did he come with fire. I'll never forget. Like, and Bowler's sitting there like, oh, my God, what happened to my co-host? Who's this guy? And I'm like, well, he's not going to be around for long when he's, now that he's rolling. So well, he wasn't. Well David, one thing people don't might not know is way back in the beginning, you were a really young guy, and you got uh, they they uh, anointed you program director, and I don't remember exactly how old you were in your twenties, right? I mean, you were I was young. 20, I was, I think, either 
think it was either 24 or 25. I was not prepared. There was no reason for me to be doing that but, job. But here, here's the thing about it, though. Uh, you built a station, and uh, uh, some of it you were doing off the seat of your pants, really, just coming up with ideas, and some of it had never been done before. And we were piecing this thing together, and people really don't know that backstory, but it, it turned out just – it couldn't have turned out much better. Well, we were wildly talented, and we got lucky. Uh, and then we had Scott Mahalik, who was insane at the time. Um, I would tell him that to his face. He's, he's also the most brilliant radio person I've ever been around in my whole life, and he was our GM. So, you know, he would kind of catch me every time I was about to go over the cliff. But, like, all those people, I mean, if you go back to that original staff, I mean, you do. You have, like, the most influential radio people in the country today. We're all in one office in Salt Lake City, Utah. And... You know, that that's why we were wildly successful is because of the, that group of people was just unbelievable. And then we got lucky, right? Then BYU went to the Cotton Bowl and the Utes went to the Final Four and Jazz went to the Finals twice and we were the number one rated sports station in the country at that point. Yeah, those were those were uh, heavy times. And you mentioned Ryan Hatch. I, I remember I did a show with Ryan. He subbed in for whoever I was doing a show with at that time. He was, I think he was 17 years old. And I'd never seen a 17, he might have been 18, but I'd never seen a kid that young do a show the way he did it with me. And and I thought to myself in that moment, David, I thought, okay, this kid has it. And he did, just like so many of these other people. If I can tell two stories that are hopefully valuable... To somebody out there, if it's a if it's a father listening who's going to t- tell their kid a story about following dreams, or if it's a kid, young kid listening um, who is you know wants to follow, I'm going to tell two stories. Uh, I'm going to leave the first one out, uh, the name of the story, but the point's the same. So one of the people we've talked about literally got their start after driving across the Western United States for 45 days trying to get a job, didn't get a job came to Utah, taught skiing. There was a new sports station at the time at 106.5, would finish teaching skiing and sat in the lobby of the radio station for probably about 40 days straight until Noah's Ark came. No, until they finally hired him. You've got PK telling the story about, like, consciously where he sat at dinner every single night to get what he wanted. And Ryan Hatch used to bike two remotes starting at 14 years old. Every time I had a remote, Ryan Hatch would bike to the remote, show up at 16 years old. He got his driver's license. And the first time he showed up in a coat and tie, he'd always come in like, you know, t-shirt and shorts. Well, the first time he didn't have to bike, he showed up in like a shirt and a tie or a coat and tie to show that he was professional. And when we started 1320K Fan, I was the first employee. Kevin Graham was the second. Ryan Hatch at 16 years old was the third. And we had a, about a 72-hour session up in my house in Big Cottonwood Canyon at the time. And Ryan was there at 16, 17 years old building that station in all the meetings. It's not a surprise that he is now you know, head of all news and sports talk in Arizona and one of Bonneville's most important people. So that's, you know, if you're out there and you've got a dream, like there's three stories for you right there, you know, sitting in a lobby, just making a fool of yourself every day until finally the guy's like, all right, you're just clearly never going to leave. I'll hire you. PK and Ryan Hatz, those are pretty good. And Gordon, I'm sure you've got yours. Yeah, I got plenty. Uh, David, let me ask you one basketball question. This is a lot of fun, man. We could talk like this forever, and we could use a lot of names that our listeners know and would probably be interested in 
about. But uh, do the Nuggets have a chance to beat the Lakers? I mean, it doesn't seem like it. And, I, you know, if I'm going to be consistent, yesterday I was on the air and I said, like, you can't really see the Lakers losing four out of five games. And so, you know, I shouldn't change my point of view just off one game. But, you know, here's why they would have a chance. One is, you know, the the Lakers' weakness is their half-court offense is not very good. Um, I think the more Denver sees them in the half-court, the more Denver's going to be able to slow them down. Uh, and, and stymie them a little bit. I think that, um, and so really the series is going to fall onto whether or not LA gets out and runs. They ran 20% of their possessions last night, which is crazy high. So they lost last night while running, which if I was a Laker fan would terrify me. Um, and then the second one is, hey, we've got a sample size now of of two times where Nikola Jokic, the longer he plays a team, figures them out. Now, yesterday he got a lot of help from Jeremy Grant, who had, you know, probably made himself $20 million last night, um, literally. Um, you know, Monty Morris hit some shots last night, so they definitely got some help, and that might not last. But the track record is that the more Jokic and Murray's two-man game sees a team, the better they get, and they got better last night. They went from an offensive rating like a 103 to a 117, against the Lakers, whose defense is really what makes them great. If for some reason, you know, those two trends, the Lakers having to play in half court, which they're just not very good at, and they were 19th best half court team in the league this year, and the Jokic continues to get better, then who knows? I mean, I, I would say this. If somehow Denver wins game four, and that thing's tied at two, mm-hmm. like PK, who's making diamonds? Uh, you are. Oh, okay, that wasn't what I meant. <laughs> One last thing uh, I wanted to ask you, David, about that game last night. Uh, and I, you probably have studied the rebounding numbers and averages on all these teams and whatnot. But with the Lakers being as big as they are, how do the Nuggets out-rebound them 44-25? to 25? Well, that's, what, you know, that's what's interesting. If you go to the previous game, the Lakers win that game, and they had 33% of their misses, I think, they had as offensive rebounds. And last night, they had about – uh, 14%. So, I mean, that's the big change. Well, if the Lakers don't get offensive rebounds, that that's when the, their weakness in their half-court offense shows up. I mean, their half-court offense was terrible yesterday. Um, and, you know, so that's, that's their – you know, this is interesting because this was my take on Denver. I thought Denver was so uh, dependent on offensive rebounding that the more you played them – the more you would get used to them crashing the boards and you'd be able to stymie their offensive rebounding and therefore you would be able to slow them down. And they've turned out to have more than that. Is that suddenly what I always thought was going to be Denver's Achilles heel, actually the Lakers Achilles heel? I don't know. Time will tell. Well, uh, David, uh, you, PK, and I should write a book. We'll write a book one day. Well, so two of the people in that sentence are really good writers. (laughs) And one of them is an awful writer who, when he wrote a column for the Seattle PI, had his wife edit it every single time before he sent it in because he's such a bad writer. So how about you guys write a book and I'll hang out and give you entertainment while you're writing. Well, but you certainly were at the center a lot of what was going on. That's for sure. Thanks a lot for joining us, David. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Talk to you guys soon. Okay. David Locke, uh, radio voice of the jazz.
Absolutely. Okay. David Locke is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. Go see my good friend Blake and Ben and that family. They'll take care of you, the Murdoch Auto Team. Right you are. All right, coming up next on the big show, sounds of various clips or better known as drop of the day. We'll uh, give you something to laugh about coming up next. So put your hands together and please welcome. This is Utah's best sports radio. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding you forward on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. If you missed yesterday's uh, sounds uh, uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it? It is the big show. I'm Gordon Monson, Patrick Kinahan alongside, and Austin Horton has been uh, up to no good. You are. Uh, it is time for uh, drop of the day or sounds of uh, of uh, um, uh, uh, various clips. What do you got, Austin? Because you're uh, you're uh-huh. sneaking around. You got something up. You your sound sleeve. very excited, by the way. Very enthusiastic about this drop of the oh, day. I was trying to mimic my. Uh, the... I know. Anyway, uh, uh, you got, have a surprise. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Wait, let me count that again. Two, four, six, eight. Yeah, ten drops of the day today. Oh. Buckle up, as Bowler would say. It's about to get uh, screechy up in here. I'm on the highway to hell. Don't it stop mean- me. The road looks rough ahead. Miles and miles from your nice warm bed. You just remember. Who? Yeah. Kyle? Got a friend in me. Love me two times, baby. One for tomorrow, one for today. Dun, dun, dun. Let's get physical, physical. I say, hey, fat fellow with the hair colored yellow. That hurt. I want you trying to play bartender. Or you can go their classic. It's a quarter after one. I'm a little drunk and I need you now. Every time I hear Lady Antebellum. than now for Mexico. All right, let's have a game right now. No shoes, no shirt, and no problem. Do you, you feel like I do? How'd you feel? It's a great show. (laughs) Good night, America. PK. What? PK. Greatest hits. I don't think that was me. (laughs) <laughs> I hate to tell you what it was. Oh, man, I sound that good? Wow, I'm going to have to do that more often. <laughs> oh, you just made everyone's day. I'm sure <laughs> it'll be dialed in tomorrow morning to hear that. Uh, PK, okay, so if you were 
in in a karaoke scenario and you had to pick one go-to song, which one would you pick? Oh, I think I'd probably go uh, Saturday Night Stand Alive by, B- uh, by the Bee Gees. <laughs> what? Are you going, what? <laughs> Isn't that well, two different songs? you can tell by the way I use my woke. I'm a woman's man. No time to talk. Uh, what do you, hey, Austin, what do you think of that? That Your was uh, that sounded just like the Bee Gees, actually. In <laughs> fact, I'd vote that was better than the Bee Gees. More than a woman, Gordon, you are more than a woman to me. How about a little uh, "You're So Vain"? Give us that one. <laughs> You're so vain. You know Mick Jagger sings backup on that tune. What? Didn't know that. Oh yeah, I looked up. He does. All right, give us give us a rendition of your favorite Old Dominion song. Oh my gosh, there's just so many of them. Uh, Snapbacks. Oh, in your snapback. Oh, I love that tune, man. I love that band. I I haven't seen them since December, Gordon. I can't go this long <laughs> without them. <laughs> Did you see that they won Song of the Year at the? Uh, I watched the, the CMAs the whole th- the whole night. You mean man. it wasn't a tie? No, uh, it was a one-man band, wasn't it? They got Group of the Year and Song of the Year, I think is what you're talking about. Yeah, I actually love them. And so I got this little uh, Tim Daly set me up with a, uh, a Frontier. It's a pickup truck. Well, they sing this one song, a beer can in a truck bed. And so I put a beer can in the truck bed just to <laughs> commemorate Jeez. the song. So my 15-year-old, she's in the band at Brighton. So I go to pick her up uh, on Monday, and she's, are you drinking now? (laughs) (laughs) Why why is there a beer can in the truck bed? And then I had to tell her about the song. She said, well, where'd you get the beer then? Where'd you get the can? I said, oh, I just found it somewhere and put it in there. And she believed all this. (laughs) It's the truth. Uh Uh-huh. Alcohol has not touched my lips in many months. <laughs> so <laughs> so if the open container is in the truck bed, does it count as an open container? The it's truck crushed. or the can? Yeah. Well, that, it's crushed. I mean, so you can, no, there, you can tell there's nothing in it. <laughs> <laughs> I just wandered there for it's, a minute. It's literally crushed. So like someone... Not from the top, but for the side, stepped on it. So there's not an ounce of alcohol in it. It's just for the song. All right, fine. I'll freaking take it out. I thought it was funny. (laughs) (laughs) That is a good song. You know, PK turned me on to uh, Old Dominion, and uh, I I really like that band. And Lisa, my wife, loves it, too. We've been to many concerts with PK and Jackie, uh, they that is a talented, talented group. I'm glad to see that they're making it the way they are. Yeah, I really enjoy them. They're my favorite band currently, that's for sure. I look forward to seeing them again when we can all get back out and go to shows. I forget which one we were at, uh, PK, because uh, we've seen them so many times. But uh, I was standing next to PK, and, he, and I, I tell you, he knew the words to every song. To every freaking song. It's impressive. Impressive. Yeah, we've seen them at big places, 
and then we've seen him at the depot across the street from the arena. Well, one time we went to see him, and you should have seen PK with that cowboy hat on, and Jackie was wearing that cowboy hat too. You look a fine-looking couple, man, with the cowboy boots and the whole thing. Oh, yeah, and the suspenders, man, that day. <laughs> was that on the air? Beer can in a truck bed on a slow ride in a sunset. Yeah, listen to One Man Band and see if it doesn't uh, get you a little teary-eyed. That's a sweet song. All right, we'll be back in a minute, and we may actually talk a little sports, so you won't want to miss it. It is the big show. I'm Gordon Monson, Patrick Kinahan alongside. We appreciate you tuning in, making us a part of your day today. We're joined now by Brady Christensen, BYU offensive lineman. Uh, Brady, how are you? Good. How are you guys? I think we're okay, aren't we, PK? Absolutely, <laughs> man. We're as good as BYU's offensive line against Navy. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Brady. Good. You guys have been getting a lot of love uh, over that performance in that first game. Uh, has it gone to your head, or are you okay with it? Not like you said, it's just one performance. So we know we have to back it up and come out and play great uh, Saturday night. We got a tough challenge. We got a very athletic D line, so it's gonna be a good challenge for us. How much of the success collectively as an offensive line is due to the cohesion in the offensive line that you all seem to kind of grow up together college football-wise? Yeah, it's, it's huge. The unity between the offensive linemen might be the biggest part of success up front. I mean, we basically know what we're going to do before we even make calls uh, right now, and that's huge for us because we just know each position down the line, how we're going to play what we're going to do and so it helps Brady we saw a quote yesterday from Joe Thomas the longtime NFL offensive lineman he said that uh, defensive linemen would only wish to play offensive line and they would if they were smart enough to do it but they're (laughs) not Uh, do you agree with that you know I'm biased I love offensive line so you know I gotta agree with it (laughs) it's uh (laughs) I love it there's no other position I'd rather play but I know the defensive guys uh They'd say, we just wish we would play D-line. So it goes back and forth. You know, we always have those conversations. I know we don't have a lot of time, but could you explain to our listeners the coordination that has to take place on that offensive line in order for it to work? Because if one guy breaks down or doesn't do his job, the whole thing can kind of collapse, right? Yeah, it's it's one of the only positions in sports where your back is uh, against – your back is with the ball so you don't even know where the ball is going so you just got to trust everyone up front and you got to trust your job and trust that the running back is going to have the right track so your d-lineman doesn't fall off late everything just has to be so in unison to get your job done it really is amazing when you look at it as a whole that it's just one each guy doing their job and that's what makes the the run or the pass go so is it good or bad that the offensive coordinators in all old o-line coach <laughs> oh it's, it, it's amazing i mean uh he's he's with us a bunch and i mean that guy has so much knowledge Grammy does that i'm just grateful to be able to be uh basically have two great o-line coaches uh in the program he talked to me he tried to explain offensive line play to me once and it was some of it's counterintuitive brady isn't it i mean can you explain a little bit about your job 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you got a 240-pound DN out wide. I'm going backwards. He's going full full speed forward. So the logic of that just doesn't make sense. Like, how does that even happen? How can you even stop him? So it's, it's all with technique, and te- technique is the most important part of this job. You can be the strongest guy in the weight room, but if you don't got that technique, uh, you're never going to win. If you don't have that leverage, you're never going to win. How about the cohesion in the coaching staff? I know you had a change at running back, but as far as the offensive line guys and the coordinator and the passing game coordinator, you guys have been there now for two, three years together. Yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, down on the sideline, they're all bouncing ideas off each other. What What's going to work? What's not going to work? And so it's not just one guy calling the call, uh, calling the plays. It's, it's, it's all of them just uh, working together and, that cohesion is huge. They almost got to be one mind type of thing on game night. And so that's what they are. Brady, the quarterback gets a lot of the glory, but I've always thought that the most important unit on a football team is the offensive line. Am I up in the night on that, or do you agree? <laughs> because when you guys all come together and play the way, you know, at a high level, it just seems to bleed over to the rest of the team. I agree with that. You know, we're, we're kind of the tip where – we're leading the charge, and so it's 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 huge for us. I agree with that. Uh, but we love protecting our QB. That's uh, obviously my favorite job is just keeping that guy um, from getting hit and keeping him safe. And that's what I pride myself on. And so he gets all the love, and he deserves it. You know. So what's the deal with that mustache by Ampy? You're not going to let him get away with that, are you? <laughs> oh, hey, uh, he he thinks that it looks better than uh, than we we all make fun of him. We call him the small town sheriff. You know, walking around. <laughs> Thinking he looks good with that stash. <laughs> We're trying to get him to shave it, but all jokes aside, he's a uh, uh, it, it's 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 a work in progress. Brady, last thing, tell us a little, tell our listeners a little bit about you. Uh, you know, offensive linemen, like I said, don't get enough credit. Uh, give our give our listeners a little bit uh, a short version of the Brady Christensen story. Yeah, so I mean, my story is like every other, you know. I love football since I was a little kid. Never thought in a million years I'd make it here to BYU or to Division One football at all. I mean, my parents told me, you got to get good grades because you probably won't get an athletic scholarship. <laughs> and they knew I was good at sports, but that was just kind of like our family. We just we worked hard, but we weren't, like, amazing at anything. We just loved everything, every sport. We played every sport. And so just to be here and, and have, whatever, two seasons uh, starting and this season ahead of us, it's really a dream come true for me. I mean, I love being out here every practice, just enjoying the mountains and enjoying playing football. It's, uh, it's been amazing. Did you play other sports as well? Yeah, growing up I played basketball and baseball. Uh, you know, I love growing up, I love to snowboard and water ski. I, we just did it all, you know. Did all those other sports help you uh, as in your role now? Yes, 100%. I, it's, it's huge. I think sometimes – when you're watching O-linemen and the battle, you just see two big dudes just hitting each other, you know. But there's so much eye-hand coordination, uh, so much your strike. You have to be good with your punches. You just got to be locked in. And I think all those sports really ties in. I mean, hitting a curveball or the defense isn't going to just run up straight at the field. So you got to be ready to predict their movements and stuff. So it's, just, it's helped me a ton uh, as an offensive lineman. So you would encourage all our listeners when they're watching the Cougars play on Saturday night to keep a good eye on that offensive line and appreciate the great athleticism involved there, right? 
Yes, definitely. We're not just uh, the big fat guys that everyone thinks we are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brady, listen, thanks for visiting with us. We appreciate it, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, Brady Christensen, PK, he's one of the good ones, isn't he? Oh, yeah, on that offensive line, yeah. I think yeah. you got James Ampy in the middle, and then you got Christensen, absolutely. They are the two, I would say right now, pro prospects in opportunity to play in the NFL. And through game one, anyway, as he said, it's just game one. So let's not go crazy. But I couldn't have asked for anything better. And we're expecting, I'm expecting maybe not as dominant, but certainly an excellent performance by that offensive line Saturday night. All right, uh, stay with us. Uh, We have all kinds of good things happening in the 6 o'clock hour, and uh, don't miss it. All right, that'll do it for a big show here on 97.5-1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson signing off along with Patrick Kinahan. Sitting in for the vacationing, Jake Scott and Austin uh, doing all the heavy lifting back there in the studio. We've had a fun time today, PK. I appreciate you doing 16 hours of radio in one day. Well, it's not exactly ditch digging. Uh, If I were to complain, I would feel the metaphorical hand of my father slapping me on the backside of the head and saying, shut up, son. Be grateful you've got this job. And that's what exactly what I am. Let me ask you a question I asked David Locke earlier, and thanks, David, for coming on. Greg Rubel joined us as well. Do you think the Nuggets have a legitimate chance to beat the Lakers? If they get it to 2-2, I do, yeah. Now things are going to have to play well for them, but, yeah, I do. I've been a Nuggets fan now for well over a year. I think they got a lot of talent, and I think they're just barely getting started. So if they don't get it done next year, I see no reason why they're not back next year. Uh, this year, I see no reason why they're not back next year. We uh, rattled off some names on that team, and obviously Jazz fans are familiar with the team since they played in the first round. But Jamal Murray, the Joker, uh, Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant, Gary Harris. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and when I think about that team and think that, wait a second, they might have had Nurkic. They might have had Rudy Gobert. They might have had Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> now, they might have lost some of that uh, in exchange, but unbelievable, man. They've had – their scouting uh, folks have, have done a pretty good job, although they did give up those two great players. Uh, yeah, don't make any draft day trades with the Jazz. That's what I would say. Avoid that at all costs. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, they have drafted well. And I think that's the key, man. If you're not in a glamorous market, draft well, have sound organizational principles, follow a plan, hire a coach, stick with the coach, and you can be successful. And we'll see whether uh, the Jazz can uh, bounce back uh, from their their jumping off point uh, and where they left off, I mean and where they can go from here. I think they can be even better than what we've seen. We'll see whether that's just uh, wishful thinking or something that is indeed factual. Oh, I see no reason why they're not better next year than they were this year. A hearty thanks to you, PK. Thanks for sitting in. We do appreciate it. And, uh, Austin, nice work today, fellas. Uh, And thanks to all our listeners. We appreciate you taking the time to uh, tune us in. Have a great evening, and we'll talk with you. PK will talk with you first thing in the morning.